0: Are you going through some struggles in your life right now, problems that you didn't ask for, you didn't want, and you would love for God to take away a diagnosis, a relational breakup, a church squabble, division where there ought to be unity, loss of a job, whatever it is in your life? Skeptics of Christianity and critics will conclude that if you're going through something that you can't explain, God is either powerless cruel, vindictive. They would claim that a world full of pain and suffering is undoubtedly the proof of it. No matter how you look at him, God is certainly not kind. Our guest today on Chris Fabry Live has a challenge for you. He has some hard truth, biblical truth, that I think you and I need to hear You'll hear Nate Pickowitz straight ahead at the Radio Backyard Fence. Welcome to Chris Fabry Live. Great to have you along on this Tuesday in February. Thanks to our team, Ryan McConaughey, doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Gabby T, you'll be answering your calls today. And thanks to friends and partners of this program who enable us to have these daily soirees. You put the ire in soiree. <laughs> I looked it up. Did you know that soiree is a French word? That means an evening party or social gathering. So I guess what we have is not exactly a soiree, but it's pretty close. Give a gift to Chris Fabry Live this month, online or by phone. I will send you, well, they don't let me in the mail room. (laughs) You know what I mean. We would love for you to receive our thank you, Ron Hutchcraft's A Life That Matters. I finished the book yesterday. I started uh, just before February and went through it devotionally. And so today I went back through all the underlines and the highlights that I had done, and I'm still stuck on the three open prayer. Do You know what it is? There's so many practical helps in this book to help you live a life that that sees people around you as God sees them. There's somebody you know who doesn't know Jesus, and you are God's ambassador to them. Pray the three open prayer from Colossians 4. I'll tell you what it is in just a moment. Write this down. 866-95-FABRY. Call that number, eight six six nine five three two two seven nine. Give a gift of any amount. We'll send you this book by Ron. Or go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. The three open prayer is, Open the door, open their heart, open my mouth. You start praying that prayer and watch what God will do. We only have eight days, wait a minute, hang on, it's leap year, nine days, nine days left for you to give a gift. Go to chrisfabrylive.org and you'll see how you can receive A Life That Matters by Ron Hutchcraft. Thank you for taking the time and effort to support what we do here. Nate Pickowitz, I'm glad I don't have to spell that. It's easier to say than to spell. He is the teaching pastor of Harvest Bible Church in, get this, Gilmanton Ironworks, New Hampshire. He's written or edited more than a dozen books, Why We're Protestant, The American Puritans, How to Eat Your Bible, and a whole lot more. You can find out more about him. He and his wife, Jess, have three children and live in Gilmanton Ironworks. Uh, I I listened to your interview with Dr. Gary Chapman, and you explained why Gilmanton Ironworks is is the name of the town. Will you tell us that one more time, Nate?
1: Absolutely. yeah. It's good to be with you, Chris. And uh, so, yeah, Gilmonton Ironworks is a is a pretty tiny town in New Hampshire. Even people who live in New Hampshire don't know where Gilmonton Ironworks is. Uh, but, it, uh, you know, as you can imagine, it was a a, a town that had an, an old ironworks, in it. it actually burnt down about 100 years ago, but they kept the name. And uh, so there's a, a pretty small population. But, you know, it's where we call home. It's where I was born and raised. It's where we had the blessing of planting the church here. And this is where I get to serve and minister with my family. So it's a great blessing to be here.
0: And when you heard the name of the town, and because you, you grew up there, you said, yes, sign me up. I want a pastor there, right?
1: <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, we, I was actually in a different career altogether. I was in the financial services industry, even during 2008 when everything went haywire. And, um, you know, when the Lord got a hold of me, I thought I was going to do something else. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I was called to do, but I remember specifically praying and asking the Lord, okay, you know, do whatever you want with me, Lord, but whatever you do, don't make me a pastor, and don't put me back in my hometown of Gilmanton Ironworks. <laughs> and uh, the Lord is uh, has a sense of humor, I think, sometimes, but uh, by His grace and kindness, He He uh, called me to ministry, and, he, and we planted a church back in 2013, and I'm, I'm so glad we did. You know, He certainly knew better than I did, so I'm really happy with that.
0: So it was His kindness that led you to do what you've been doing since then, right?
1: Yeah, it's funny because, you know, that's what we're talking about today, but I just feel like lately that's been the the content of my prayers. That was originally what called me to write the book was just I kept on thanking God for being kind to me, uh, you know, just seeing everything He was doing in my life, the things He was allowing me to do the ministry he'd given me, the family I, I've been given, all these different things are, are really blessings and kindness. So, yeah, I regard the ministry uh, as certainly one of his great kindnesses to me.
0: And we're going to talk about that today. And I, I want you to, to get a little closer to the radio. If you're going through something that you would say, you can call this anything you want, but it ain't kind. If that's where you are, I want you to listen to what Nate has to say. Pastor Nate, um, talk about Susan, because you begin the book— you end the book with her story. Why is she your billboard for God's kindness?
1: Yeah, so Susan was—she uh, was the daughter of one of our, our church members, uh, an older woman who uh, had a daughter who had was very sick with cancer, and she had just the ABCs of every kind of affliction you could imagine, from abuse to disease to financial hardship to everything under the sun. And, uh, you know, when I met her, she was, she was very oppositional to the Lord, very oppositional to just pretty much everything. But, you know, I began to watch through the process of her suffering through the illness. Uh, and by the end of her life, you know, she began to, to profess a love for Christ, a, a faith in Christ. I'm kind of giving away the ending, but I think it's appropriate, frankly, um, because I was able to watch uh, her life change. And uh, even her mom, you know, who is now in her 80s, testifying to the fact that God did change her. And, uh, you know, the more I thought about it, it just seemed like, you know, we don't tend to think about a life that's so difficult like that being an example of God's kindness. But in the end, if God uses even our trials to bring us to faith and to give us eternal life, then frankly, sometimes through those means, that is the most kind thing that God could do if He redeems us. So, um, yes, it's difficult, but uh, but God is still kind.
0: Can we and I, i've I've been thinking about this ever since I've dipped into the book and then heard you talk about this. but can we fall into a trap where we feel like if I do something kind, then I merit God's kindness, and it's this. Quid pro quo I, I scratch his back, he scratches mind, it's reciprocal so then I'm in control and if something bad happens, well uh, you, yeah it could be God, but I, I deserved it because I wasn't kind then do you, you know what I'm saying?
1: I do I think there's a lot of reasons why that crops up. I think that's certainly the 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 man-made religion of the world that somehow we think that we deserve. Uh, the goodness that we receive, even what we call common grace, which is the kindness that God pours out almost indiscriminately to all people that's common grace um but we we have a tendency to think pretty highly of ourselves and think that something we could do would would merit his kindness as if he's some kind of a genie in the bottle and uh that's i mean that's how the prosperity gospel works that if I do this or give this money or do this deed that somehow God owes me something. And the truth of the matter is is that God doesn't owe us anything, uh, and that's something we talk about in the book as well, that everything that we receive from God that's good is pure kindness. Uh, I don't, I, he doesn't owe me a thing. But I think we get into a trap if we think that he owes us something, or if we think that we're deserving of God's goodness, then we're mistaken, and we have to correct our thinking, and the Scripture does a good job of that.
0: There's so much we have to correct our thinking about, it. and one of them is that word good, because what I see as good and then bad, God doesn't see the same way that, as I do, because he uses some things that I think are bad for my good, though I don't want them, and I complain to him, I kick and scream. This is going to be a good conversation today. I'd love to hear your feedback about Nate Pickowitz's thesis here. It's in book form titled The Kindness of God Beholding His Goodness in a Cruel World. We're going to talk about that. What about what happened in Kansas City? What about in Ukraine? What about a child with cancer? If God's in control, how can he be good? How can he be kind? We'll talk about that straight ahead. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. Pastor Nate Pickowitz is joining us today at the Radio Backyard Fence, pastor of Harvest Bible Church in New Hampshire. Find out more about him and our featured resource, If you click through today's information right there at chrisfabrylive.org, the book is titled The Kindness of God, Beholding His Goodness in a Cruel World. So give me a working definition here of what is kindness.
1: Yeah, I think when when it pertains to God, I think we have to differentiate between His goodness and His kindness. So God's goodness is His moral perfection. So to put it in more simple terms, it's the fact that everything that God is uh, in terms of his nature, uh, his standards, everything that God is is good. God is good. And then that goodness that gets expressed to us, that is kindness. So it is the goodness of God that is expressed and given to us. That's his kindness. So it's every anything that's morally pure, morally good, um, any, any blessing we receive, any kind of love— grace we receive, anything that's good from God is His kindness expressed to us.
0: You talk about the term hesed in the book as well, and that's the the unfailing love of, of God when the one who uh, I, I deserve nothing from gives me everything. That's what Michael Card says about hesed. Um,
1: yeah. So
0: is is that the same as His kindness or an aspect of His kindness?
1: Yeah, so the word chesed, some people translate it covenant love. Sometimes it's rendered as steadfast love. But other translations actually render that word loving kindness. And to my understanding, that that Hebrew word chesed has to do with God's goodness and kindness expressed specifically to his people. Um, Again, God does demonstrate kindness to the world you know, there's a verse in Luke 6 that says that God um, shows kindness even to, to wicked and fallen people, so he does display that to the world. But there is a specific, unique kindness that is for us as believers, and I believe that is God's loving kindness. When he extends himself to us and saves us and treats us like his own children, uh, that's the pinnacle of his kindness to us in Christ.
0: So is it fair to say, then, that part of our problem, or maybe it's just my, maybe it's just mine, is that we do not deserve God's kindness. But I feel like and act like I do deserve it, so that when something happens that I feel is unkind from God, it happens that I don't want. Then I think He's no longer good, or I don't think that. I just think you know, maybe he overlooked me, he wasn't thinking about me at the time, and I'm, you know, I kind of got caught in the wake of whatever it was. Is that part of the problem?
1: I think so. You know, it's interesting we're talking about, and I, I've i done a couple of these interviews for the book so far, and it's, it's interesting that we always tend to kind of veer into discussion about trials and difficulty and evil, and I think that we have to consider those things in light of God's goodness and His kindness, because I think— I think the problem really is with us. I think our perspective on who God is um, is a little bit askew sometimes when we think those things. But I also think that our, our perception of ourselves is definitely askew. Um, we don't realize that all have sinned, the Bible says, and fall short of the glory of God. We We think that we're better than we are. So when God does not give us kindness that we think we deserve, or if it seems like it's out of step with what he normally does. You know, he's always given me money for my bills, but this month I don't have money for my bills. You know, when something changes, we do, we react. We react like little children. But I'm just thinking about Hebrews 12:10 says that he, referring to God, disciplines us for our good that we might share in his holiness. And then he says, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. And isn't that the truth? He says, yet those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Again, that's Hebrews twelve eleven. So even scripture says that when God deals with us and disciplines us through trials and difficulty, it actually ultimately is for our good. We might just not see it in the moment. So I think a lot of this is about perspective, and a lot of it is about trusting God with our lives and with our difficulty.
0: So what you are not saying is, if you have something hard that comes into your life, plug your ears, la, 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 say, God is kind to me, I know he's kind, I know he's kind, and just let that be your mantra and say it over and over again until you believe it or until you're out of the trouble. This is not uh, spiking the feeling or the, uh, the valley that we're walking through.
1: Oh, it definitely is. And I, you know, I think about James chapter one, which is, you know, famous verse, but kind of a, I don't want to say life verse for me, but I've gone back to it many times where he says, consider it all joy. My brother's When you encounter various trials, he doesn't say that these trials are themselves joyful. You're not plugging yours going, oh, I'm happy, I'm happy in the midst of suffering. But he says, consider it to be joy. He says, why? Well, because your faith is being tested. And through the testing of your faith, it's actually producing endurance in you. God is creating in you bulletproof faith through testing and trial. Um, so even though the trials are painful, and they are, I don't ever want to minimize a person's suffering. Whenever I'm pastoring somebody, counseling somebody, and they're telling me about pain they're going through, you know, you, I don't placate them. You can't placate them and say, oh, it's not as bad as you think. No, these things are really hard. Like There are trials that are just wrecking people that are really hard, but it's what we do. It's where we place our faith. Are we placing it in ourselves to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and keep on going Or are we leaning into Christ and saying, Lord, your grace is sufficient for me, your power is perfected in my weakness? So it really has to do with where we're putting our trust, who are we really leaning on to get us through these things? Is it ourselves, or is it the Lord? I think that's the question you have to ask.
0: Okay, so that turn then that you make when you're in the middle of whatever it is, financial, relational, physical uh, turmoil, spiritual turmoil, inside you— if you can make the turn of, God, here is where I am, this is who I am, this is how I'm responding to this, but I thank you for your kindness in that at least you have caused me at this point to turn to you Instead of try to control this or try to do it all myself or et cetera, et cetera. It's, I thank you for your kindness to draw me closer to you and to show, show me where the real strength comes from. That's, that's part of what you're trying to do, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what the Apostle Paul does in Second in Corinthians 12, you know, when he, he considers he's going through some kind of an ordeal And he he talks about this thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't really know what that is. It could be a person. It could be an affliction. Some people think it might have been like an eye disease or something that happened to him. Now, Paul is not prone to complaining about his condition in his epistles. But whatever this was, this was bad. This was so bad, he begged the Lord to remove it from him three different times. And the Lord didn't. And then through that, he recognized that not only has the Lord not removed my trial... But he actually is giving this to me to humble me. So it's producing humility in Paul so that he throws himself on the mercy and on the goodness of God, and he ends up praising God. So I think to your point about being thankful for what we have, you know, and Chris, it's it's funny. You write a book like this, and, you know, it's very easy to look at an author and say, well, this guy must have it down if he's writing a book on it. But let me tell you, I am challenged by this just as much as the next guy and even this week, challenged by various trials, and it's uh, we're, we're called to live this. You know, We're called to put our faith and to trust in him, even we don't see how it's all going to come together. Lord, I know you're good. I know you're kind to me. Forgive me for not acknowledging that and for, for not worshiping you for that. Um, and, and throwing yourself into his arms, I think that's the only place you can be, especially when you're in the midst of suffering.
0: Okay, I'm going to walk out on the limb with you here. And don't tell me if you don't want to or you can't. But what happened this week that caused you to be thinking about that?
1: Well, we have an hour show, right? So (laughs) I could... uh, (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, literally before I jumped on the phone with you, my wife texted me to tell me that our van is acting up. And so the van's going to go in the shop. And, uh, you know, our, our tub sprung a leak earlier this week. And so I get dripping through my basement. I mean, you know, it's just a... Number of things i mean there's health trials there's financial trials there's there's ministry trials all the time i mean that's those are common to to people, so there's always a reason uh, why you could be frustrated and uh you know I have to battle it like anybody else does, you know but it's what do you do with it and i'm actually reading a great book by uh, nancy de demoswalgamov on on choosing gratitude on being thankful. For what God's doing, and I'll tell you, it's it's really hitting me hard. And I think it's important that we're grateful to God, that we're thankful for His kindness and for His goodness to us.
0: I think that is the antidote to just about every malady in my life: is to be able to thank God for whatever it is, you know. And look, even uh, I've been trying to do that when I wake up each morning, is to just start thinking of people I'm thankful for, or in the past, in the present. You know, what's going on in the world? Thank you. And even people who have challenged me that I don't want to challenge, me. you know, to be able to be right. thankful for them because I know that God is using them um, to make me more like his son, because that's the goal. The goal is not comfort. It's not ease. It's not just to go to heaven right now or when I die. The goal is to conform me to the image of his son. And he uses all this, doesn't he?
1: He does. There's a, a chapter in the book where I talk about the kindness of God and suffering. Uh that's gotten a lot of chatter, I think. That's kinda hitting a nerve with people, but you know, to consider, you know, is God expressing his kindness even through the pain? Um and and do we have cause to be thankful? And you know, if we could if we could pull back the curtain here and, and sort of sit in the vantage point of heaven and look at our lives the way that God sees them. And if we really knew all the different things that God was doing in the moment, in real time, and all of the, the good purposes that he has for his people, if we actually saw that, we would stop complaining, I think, immediately. And I would, and I think we would say, oh, Lord, it's clear what you're doing here, so thank you. And, and by the way, don't stop sanctifying me, Lord. We would have that perspective. But the problem is that we don't see it. I I don't know what he's doing in any given moment, and so we have to trust him. Um, But all these different things, uh, I think about 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, talking about the fact that our trials are actually proof of our faith, which is more valuable, more precious than gold. He says that, you know, my faith is tested, my faith is proven through the trials. And so everybody wants bulletproof faith. You know, we all want God to give us this amazing faith, but then it comes at a cost, and that cost is that we have to be tested. And if that's, if that's the result, if, if, I, if my faith is going to be made stronger and my relationship with God stronger, my communion with God is better through that, then, frankly, I, I should see my trials differently. So I think it's a great challenge, Chris. I really do. This is, I think, some of the hardest stuff in the Christian life, is to keep perspective about who God is and what he's doing and, and how we are to respond to him. It's hard.
0: Your mentioning of the van and the bathtub strikes a nerve with me because I'm very much a control type person and provision, and I want to provide well, and I want to keep everybody safe, you know, and when something like that comes up, especially the financial thing with you know, how much is that going, is that the transmission? You know, that could be thousands of dollars to go down the rabbit hole, and that gives you an opportunity to either say god you're the one who provided this in the first place and i I'm, I'm going to trust you that this is going to all work out um there's there's that perspective and then there's the other perspective that says okay god you you are making this transmission in this van and i'm not putting that on you Nate i hope it's not the transmission sure. but you <laughs> You're you're making this situation, and here's what I believe: that mechanic really needs you, and so that person who works on who does that, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to give them a tract and I'm going to or give them a Bible and invite them to my church. And what you do by that, and I'm not saying you shouldn't shouldn't do any of that. But what you're doing by that is you're trying to figure out what God is doing, and and so then you're in control again. And if I can figure out what God is doing here, then I can trust him. And, and it's not yours to figure out, it's yours to just walk through the suffering.
1: That's right. Well, that's the story of Job. I mean, I, I dipped into Job's story quite a bit just in thinking through this stuff and researching and studying. That was Job's affliction. I mean, Job was a righteous man and lost everything I and mean, he lost his family he lost his health he lost his property his wealth he lost absolutely everything and he spends what is it 30 something chapters trying to figure out what went wrong and and trying to wrap his arms around it and he you know he, he tells himself he's not going to say anything against the lord but in the end god says trust me and that's essentially what the lesson we learn
0: was there a time in your life when you saw the kindness of God and it took your breath away, call me eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. 3675 I find that the kindness of God is often expressed through people, and there's someone today who has received the news of their pregnancy that has caught them off guard, taken their breath away. They know what to do to take care of the problem, quote unquote, but they don't want to make that choice, but they don't know where to go or what to do. Enter the kind people of CareNet many of whom have been there before themselves. Many have made a choice for abortion, and the regret has cast them on the mercy and the grace and the love and the kindness of God. And they've received forgiveness, and they are extending that to others who are making really hard decisions, men and women who are making really hard decisions. I have been, over the last few months, I've been so encouraged by not just the numbers. They have numbers of people, numbers of babies, but they're not just about numbers. They call what they do pro abundant life, because it's not just about, we want to help you live. (laughs) We want to help you have abundant life that springs up from inside. There's that spiritual component. Click the green care button at chrisfabrylive.org. I guarantee you, you will be encouraged by what they're doing. There's some free downloads. If you have somebody in your life who is pushing back against this, and they're saying, you know, women need health care, there are some arguments, quote unquote, there are some downloads that you can get to read and to reason with them from Scripture, not to win an argument, but to speak to a heart. Click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. So we're talking with Nate Pickowitz about the kindness of God today, and I, I asked the question just before the break, was there a time when you saw the kindness of God and it took your breath away? And maybe it was a time when you weren't expecting to think about the kindness of God because of the situation you were in. Let me get to Heather in Michigan. Heather, why did you call today?
2: Hello. Oh, man, this is my favorite subject, Um, because you're talking about the kindness of God. (laughs) Um, I'm calling because last March I was at home with a six-month-old, and I noticed a couple of leaks in my house, like from our roof. And I was like, oh, goodness, <laughs> Lord, you know our finances. And this is just a really rough year for us. It's already super tight. And, you know, there's no money in the bank account for a new roof. Um, I'm just going to trust you with this. And
1: just please <laughs>
2: relieve my anxiety and you'll take care of us. And about a month later, a hailstorm came through Michigan, which is not huge for hailstorms. <laughs> but it was like golf ball size hail. And long story short, we got a... Total roof replacement last June. <laughs> wow.:
0: in the middle: in the middle, and you saw that as, as God's provision, obviously the insurance company had something to do with it, too, right?
2: Amen to that. <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> and that's what insurance is for. Um, but the, the kindness of God in the middle of the hailstorm. Nate, what do you say about that?
1: Well, isn't that what we see in uh, Mark chapter 4? I mean, uh, Jesus is you know in the boat with the disciples, and they have this storm that's about to wipe them all out, and he stands up in the midst of the boat and just tells the, the seas to be calm, and they do. They respond to the voice of the Creator. So, I mean, isn't God always uh, silencing the storms and, and getting us through the storms? Not that the storms don't come, but isn't he always doing that for us? And I think the answer is uh, abundantly Yes. And God, He He protects us. He gets us through. So I love hearing stories like that, that. That God is kind to His people, and we can praise Him for it. Absolutely.
0: Crystal has a story in Florida. Crystal, why did you call today?
2: Um, just the the story happened. It happened a while ago, but it's just it's still. I use it as a testimony to this day for young people who are going through. I was um young, going through a divorce, had children. Working a full-time job and went back to college full-time. And it got so overwhelming that one day I said, okay, Lord, I can't do all this. I'm going to quit college because I can't quit my job because I have to pay for things. But I'm going to drop out of college. I can't take it anymore. I got the ad drop papers. And I, you know how we try to give a fleece to the Lord. So I said, if I miss the train to school today, that's my sign. I'm going to drop out of school. I purposely lollygagged a little bit. I got to the train station and you guys know when the train if you can't get across you can't park, you can't get on the train. The train stopped well before it hit the station and just sat there. The station manager runs out, I don't know what's going on with the train. They didn't say anything was wrong. I said the Lord wants me to finish school And then my professor, who had been given a whole class, one of my classes, we all were failing the class. We could not understand this woman for anything. When I get to class, she says, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I'm going to restart this class and go over this a different way to help you guys get through this. Wow.
0: Wow. Now,
2: Ended up with an A in the class. <laughs> Ended up graduating.
0: Yeah. Isn't that great? and and did you make your train that day that's the big question
2: <laughs> i i was able to make the train stop so i could park it stopped and i was able to walk across the tracks
0: everything See, now some people would listen to that, Crystal, and they would say, yeah, but that was just, you know, here's what happened there, and this was a thing, and you're putting that on God, and oh, you know, that's okay. Uh, and, and first of all, anybody who uses the word lollygag on this program, you can call anytime you want, because I love that word. Um, but he, this is in—what you're talking about, Nate, is in the warp and woof of life, in daily life. You're looking to him for direction. You want him to make your path straight. And she saw that in the middle of all of the decisions that she was making about that school.
1: That's right. I mean, I think about Romans eight twenty eight, which kind of becomes a, a very popular verse when we talk about this stuff. But it says that we know— We know that God causes all things to work together for good. That's train stations, that's professors, that's roofs, that's thunderstorms, all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So it doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory. It doesn't mean everything's going to be, you know, cherries, you know, and, and happiness all the time. But we can know that God is working through every little tiny microscopic detail because he's sovereign and he's good and he knows how to take care of his people so he is, he deserves all the credit and all the praise when things work together for good
0: and the the question is not if that's true you know in a in a person's life the question is are you willing to open your eyes to be able to see as you said a minute ago what god sees rather than what i see what god sees in my life and what he's leading me toward so that I don't feel like it's all about me and all about what I do. I want to participate and cooperate with what he's doing. And even even that thought I find is a kindness from him.
1: Yeah, I think about, um, you know, the Bible talking about whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I mean, ultimately, our lives are not all for ourselves, you know God gives us our lives he gives us these different things to do but but in everything we can give him glory we can give him glory when we're going through trials and adversity we can give him glory when we're doing well but in all things we should be giving him praise and honor and glory because he's the good one not us yes. so yeah we can see that in every part of our life we just have to open our eyes
0: okay so we have a final segment when we come back i want you to talk about kindness as it relates to specifically salvation, but also repentance, because that is a huge issue that we need to talk about theologically and practically in our own lives. If you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, click through today's information, you'll see The Kindness of God, Beholding His Goodness in a Cruel World. It's written by Pastor Nate Pickowitz. You find out more right there. Go to chrisfabrylive.org. Again, the website is chrisfabrylive.org where you can find out about our guests today. You can support the program. You can call, give us a, a phone call and leave a message for yours truly. I listen to all of them. Um, and I'm uh, program note. Program note. I'm going to be gone the next couple of days. We have some uh, best up broadcasts. One of the best programs we've done in the last year was with Kia Stevens about overcoming father wounds. You're going to hear that tomorrow on Thursday. A conversation with two of my friends who are talking about a woman in history, Mary McLeod Bethune. What an amazing story! If you have ever been uh, pushed away, if, if you've ever been rejected and Mary was rejected, you got to hear her response to the rejection. And then uh, if all things go according to plan, I'll be back here with you uh, Friday. But we're depending on the kindness of God to do that. So uh, thanks for your support. Again, go to chrisfabrylive.org. Nate Pickowitz has written The Kindness of God. If I were to ask you that question that I asked to our listeners, was there a time when you saw The Kindness of God, when you had a new vision of that? Would you have an answer for that
1: yeah I think there's there's probably a ton of stories anybody could could recount if you're if you belong to Christ we see his kindness everywhere there's one that kind of popped into my mind uh it has to do with uh with my wife and I having our third child. I try to be careful when I talk about my wife publicly, but I think this one's safe uh she was in labor with our third son and uh it wasn't going well, and uh, she was having a difficult time in the delivery room, and uh, it was going to be several more hours, and the doctor came in, and he said, it's going to be probably two or three more hours before we can you know, make this happen, bring him into the world. And I just knew that she wasn't doing well. So I, as I'm holding her hand as she was going through a difficult uh, transition there, I just began to pray, Lord, bring this baby now. like She needs help, please, please, Lord. And within a matter of minutes, within 30 seconds to a minute, she said, he's coming right now. She starts yelling, he's coming right now. Well, the doctor had already gone. He left the room. And next thing I know, the nurses are just shocked and running around trying to find a, you know, whatever. And he came within a matter of minutes, five minutes, maybe. So I remember afterwards, you know, you're holding this beautiful baby boy. And I just broke down in tears, praising God for being so good and gracious to my wife and to my son and to me. And that's just one out of a thousand things that God has done and I'm just so grateful to him for things like that.
0: Yes. oh and the joy that is there and the and the pain at the same time isn't that Is't that what life is is about? There's an awful lot of pain in the middle of the joy and you got to go through both at the same time. Uh, yeah, thank you for for telling that story now the the other question I have to ask you before we end, is what the the Bible talks about, and you you deal with this in the book, about God's kindness as it pertains to salvation and repentance. Why do we need to know about this, uh, not just theologically, but experientially?
1: Yeah, well, certainly, you know, all of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23, the wages of our sin is death— and yet the gift of God is Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have salvation because God is gracious. That's literally what grace is, is it's God's gift to us, an undeserved gift. So when we start to understand that, okay, apart from God's grace and his goodness and his kindness, my sin uh, will lead me to hell, my sin will lead me to judgment, and there's no hope for me in myself, and yet the Bible says, Titus 3, that when the kindness of God our Savior and his love appeared, he saved us. Not because of anything we've done. Remember that. It's nothing we're, we're doing. God just extends himself in kindness and he redeems people. And not just one person, countless hundreds of thousands and millions of people he saves purely by his kindness. And so I think that to, to praise him and thank him for salvation is... For a Christian, that's the very first kindness I think we have to look for is, God, thank you for saving me. Everything else could be falling apart in my life, but Lord, I know that when my life is over here, I'll be with you for eternity. Thank you for that gift.
0: The real future hope. Um, so so what do you say to the person who's listening? He's like, eh, I've heard this before, you know, this Christian thing that you guys thought was God's kind. Shooting in Kansas City, things, go, Ukraine and Russia— a child gets diagnosed with cancer how can you people call god kind when he would allow all of that bad stuff to happen what do you say to that person who's legitimately is not just throwing that in your yeah. face to be mean but sees that and just it's a disconnect
1: yeah it, that's one of probably the one of those difficult questions and uh, you know churchmen theolo- theologians pastors have been answering that question for years but I think, again, it it starts from a, a different presupposition. What I mean by that is that if we think that, that, that we are inherently good and that the world is inherently good and everything that's bad that's happening is either because of God or it's in spite of the fact that he's not doing something, then we misunderstand the nature of evil in the world. The subtitle of the book is that all this is happening in a cruel world. Um, The the entrance of sin into the world is is a very real thing, and I think that when you deny the reality of sin and the reality of wickedness, people do wicked things because they have a wicked heart at their very core. Um, But the Bible also says that God is not the author of evil, that, that God, even though he permits these things to happen, he actually uses them and will turn them around for good. What is the most wicked thing that's ever happened? Well, it was the betrayal and murder of Jesus Christ. And yet God uses that terrible, awful, wicked thing that was done at the hands of sinners to redeem all of his people. So God will use evil for his purposes. Again, not being the author of it, I think about Joseph who was enslaved in Egypt. At the end of his life, he says, "What All of you his brothers who enslaved him, what you meant for evil, God has meant for good. So God still can uh, use terrible things that happen for good. He can, he can turn bad things into good things in His providence. So the problem is not with God. The problem is with us. We, we have sinful hearts, and we do terrible things, and, and we have to deal with that for sure.
0: I've been struggling with exactly what you're talking about, and this is a Christianity 401 class uh, kind of question that I'm asking. But I have said, and I've heard others say, but I've said for a long time, uh, you know, God's plan, God's plan A was not for sin to enter the world because he created everything in perfection and everything was good. And then we messed it up. You know, we we were tempted, Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden and fell. And this was not what God wanted. And yet I have to grapple with the fact that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. So, how do you how do you put those? <laughs> can you explain that to me? Put that in that whether God, you know, because I I really believe that God didn't say, "Oh no," I, you know, they sinned. I hadn't planned for that. What do you say to that?
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think about Ephesians chapter one that says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." It blesses God in the beginning. It says that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Well, so how is he going to redeem us and bring us to himself? Well, like to your point, he had purposed from the very beginning to send Jesus to redeem us. And so so somehow in the, in the mind and the plan and the providence of God, again, God not being the author of evil because he is perfectly good, but in that plan and providence, somehow evil and sin and death was a factor into that plan. I don't understand it and nobody does. Nobody understands the mind of God, so I don't have an answer for how that works on a mathematical theological equation. I don't understand it. I frankly don't. But I do know that God had intended from the beginning to redeem us by the blood of his son and he re- he intended to to not simply judge all people. He was he was within his rights to just start over, just wipe out the whole world and start over again. That was, he had the right to do it. But instead of doing that, in kindness, he chose to redeem. He chose to send his only begotten son to live and die and rise for us. So uh, I think when people try to, and this is not a, a you thing, by the way, but I think when when folks get tripped up on that question, I think they're looking in the wrong place. I think if we study out the character and the purposes and the promises of God, we began to see, Lord, you are marvelous, you are wonderful, and all of your promises to us are, are good, and they're yes and amen in Christ. So I, I think it is a hard question for sure.
0: Well, and it takes me back to Philippians 2, that in the end, after the humiliation of Jesus and his suffering and giving himself for us and rising again— at his feet, at his name, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. For what purpose? To the glory of God. So it all goes back to the, his glory, and we can participate in that. And I wonder if there's anything that you're going through today that you're, you know, your van, whatever's happened with your van today, that you're thinking, this is just so terrible that God would allow this in my life. Do you have the faith to believe that? that no matter what, the kindness of God is being shown to you in the middle of the struggle. And he's giving you an opportunity to see things from his perspective and not just your own. I I like that thought, and I love the, the book. Nate, thanks a lot for being with us today. The Kindness of God is the title, Beholding His Goodness in a Cruel World click through today's information at the website right there, chrisfabrylive.org. Tomorrow, overcoming father wounds. Don't miss it. Kia Stevens will be with us here at Chris Fabry Live, production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.